Hello and welcome back to Entering the Infinite, the Magic the Gathering podcast all about infinite combos. I am your host, Aaron Benek. So, last week I did Tiamat. When, and I, I had a lot of fun building it. I, I really like dragons. It was a cool deck. It's got some cool combos in it. In it. Tiamat, from your command zone, just goes and finds all the pieces. You get infinite damage done. You can get in there for infinite attacks. It's really cool. But I wanted to highlight uh, the very end of the episode when I kind of talked about how expensive the mana base of Tiamat was. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think the deck came in at, at about um, $1,000, I think, overall. But the mana base, the fetches and the shocklands and the triomes, accounted for about half of that entire that entire price. And then there were some other things like Exploration isn't cheap, Urza's Incubator isn't cheap, um, the Ur-Dragon isn't cheap. So there, were, there was a lot that actually went into that, and it kind of got me thinking about um, budget. And I remember getting some comments about a budget episode... Um, possibly in the future. So I decided that this week I am building a budget combo deck and our commander this week is Gadwick the Wizened. So Gadwick is uh, X and triple blue for a legendary creature, Human Wizard. He's a 3-3. He says, when Gadwick the Wizened enters the battlefield, you draw X cards and whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls. So if you pay... If you play Gadwick, you can play Gadwick for three mana, and then it's just a triple blue 3-3, but you don't draw any cards. So if you play Gadwick for five, then you draw two cards. If you play him for seven, then you'll draw four cards. So the reason I picked um, Gadwick, and there's a lot of options that you can actually put in the command zone for the particular strategy that I'm going to be talking about today, like the particular combo... But I went with Gadwick because, first of all, his price. Gadwick is right now like a bulk rare. And because he provides some decent utility. My runner-up choice was Arcanus the Omnipotent. And Arcanus, you can tap Arcanus to draw three cards. And then you can pay four mana to return them to your hand. But I like what I liked um, Gadwick more because you can pay... Six mana for Gadwick, which is the price of Arcanus the Omnipotent. Arcanus is three and triple blue, if I remember correctly. But if, but they both essentially can cost the same and draw you the same number of cards. But I like Gadwick more because his price point was lower and because of that secondary ability. So whenever you cast a blue spell, you tap a, nar- a non-land permanent and opponent controls. So... What you can do is, on your opponent's turn, if they're going to attack you with a huge Ulamog, you can just anticipate before they go to combat and tap down the Ulamog, and you're safe. So I like Gadwick for the reason that I think he just provides a little bit more safety to the deck, just a little bit more utility, and that X um, cost in his mana cost to be able to draw X cards 
um, is actually a little more relevant than you might think. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But first, as per usual, let's get into the main combo of the deck, which is Isochron Scepter and Dramatic Reversal. Now, if you've been playing Commander for a long time, you've probably seen this or pulled it off. So, Isochron Scepter is two mana for an artifact, and it says imprint. When Isochron, Scepter, when Isochron Scepter enters the battlefield, you may exile an instant card with converted mana cost two or less from your hand. For two mana and tap the Isochron Scepter, you may copy the exiled card. If you do, you may cast the copy without paying the mana cost. Now, the card, there's plenty of instants that you can imprint on an Isochron Scepter. You can imprint a Counterspell. You can imprint a Brainstorm. You can imprint all kinds of different things. But the one that we really want to do is Dramatic Reversal, which is one in a blue for an instant. It says, untap all non-land permanents you control. So if you have enough mana to generate more than it costs to actually activate Isochron Scepter, you can generate infinite mana. So for instance, if you've got Hedron Archive and Commander Sphere on the board. You can tap the Hedron Archive to activate the Isochron Scepter and tap the Commander Sphere for a blue. Then when you cast the copy of Dramatic Reversal, you're going to untap the Isochron Scepter and the Hedron Archive and the Commander Sphere, and you're up a blue mana. So with this combo, you can generate infinite mana. And since this is the the pinpoint combo of the deck, this is one of the other reasons why I thought that Gadwick would be a better commander, because if you really need to, you can cast Gadwick for X is the rest of your deck and draw your entire deck, and then you just have your whole deck in your hands and you have the ability to just cast whatever you want in order to win the game from there. So, the question is, after you have infinite mana, after you, you know basically have drawn your entire deck with Gadwick, how exactly do you win? Well, the first the first thing that came to mind was, what exactly do you do with infinite mana? Well, you can cast a really big X spell. Um, if you remember from my Yorn God of Winter episode, there were a lot of X spells in there that were really good. Things like Exsanguinate, Torment of Hailfire that just end the game immediately if you cast them for X's infinite. But blue doesn't really have access to those kinds of cards. So then I thought maybe if you have infinite mana, then a storm style win is the best. So then I thought about um, cards that you can cast over and over and over and over and over again. And it led me to buyback. So there are actually quite a few buyback cards that you can cast over and over and over again when you have infinite mana and by doing that you'll generate an infinite storm count to then win with brain freeze which is one in a blue for an instant and it says target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her grave into his or her graveyard excuse me and it has storm so when you play brain freeze you copy it for each spell played before it this turn and you can choose new targets for the copies so then all you do is you pair Brain Freeze with cards like um, Mystic Speculation, which is a single blue for a sorcery, and it has buyback two. 
So you can pay an additional two as you play the spell. And if you do, you put it back into your hand as a result. And all you do is scry three. So with infinite mana from Isochron Scepter combo, then with Mystic Speculation, which is just one of the buyback cards, there are quite a few others, then you can just infinitely play Mystic Speculation back and forth and back and forth from your hand in the stack, and then cast Brain Freeze for infinite storm count. And then one of the other buyback cards that can also just win you the game even without Brain Freeze is Capsize, which is one blue-blue for an instant. It has buyback three, and it says return target permanent to its owner's hand. So without Brain Freeze, if you just cast capsize on all of your opponent's permanents and it says permanence it does not say non-land permanence it says permanence so it also includes lands so all you need to do is play capsize on all of your opponent's permanents and then they don't have the ability to basically play magic anymore so you can just play gadwick and just say i am going to beat you down with gadwick eventually while I keep bouncing all your permanents, because Capsize still has buyback, so you can still hold it in your hand and then continue bouncing their permanents on each of their turns. And then another buyback card is Whispers of the Muse, which is a single blue for an instant. It has buyback five, and you draw a card. So it might be a little bit unreasonable to pay six mana to draw a card, but in the early game, it's just a cantrip, right? It's just one mana draw card, which is pretty easy. And then in the late game, when you have your infinite mana, and you, uh, and maybe you've already played Gadwick out, but you need to draw the rest of your deck, but you have Whispers of the Muse, well, paying six mana to draw a card is completely irrelevant when you have infinite mana. So Whispers of the Muse is an easy cantrip in the beginning game, and it's a way to get closer to infinite if you have it during um, the combo turn or the turn that you actually get Scepter down. And there are some other buyback cards in here, but the, the real point of the buyback cards is just so that you have the ability to generate an infinite storm count for Brain Freeze. So that is the main combo of the deck that is what the deck is trying to do is assemble dramatic reversal isoconceptor and get a cool brain freeze turn so uh the question is what happens if you don't actually have access to brain freeze um this is probably pretty unlikely but i did include a quite a few other winning game lines just in the event that you don't have access to brain freeze or you brain freeze every single game so you want to do something different um or there are specific cards that are out on the field that make it hard for you to combo in certain ways so i've just included some other lines here and uh the second line after brain freeze is to use sphinx bone wand to win the game so sphinx bone wand is seven mana for an artifact which is a little bit pricey but again if you just have um dramatic scepter as the combo is usually referred to then you have infinite mana and seven mana is completely irrelevant you can just pay whatever you need to but uh the wand says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell you may put a charge counter on sphinx bone wand 
If you do, Sphinx Bone Wand deals damage equal to the number of charge counters on it to target creature or player. So Sphinx Bone Wand basically works like um, Aetherflux Reservoir in order to be able to generate infinite damage. So it makes your buyback spells still lethal because you cast them over and over to put infinite charge counters on the wand to then deal infinite damage to all of your opponents. And then the next line after the, the Sphinx Bone Wand is um, a Lab Man line. So Laboratory Maniac is two and a blue for a creature, human wizard, two, two. If you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. So if you don't, if you somehow don't have access to either of those lines, you can simply cast Gadwick for X equals your library and then win with Laboratory Maniac. Um, it's a classic and simple win condition for these kinds of blue decks that are just looking to empty their library. Um, although if you are sick of Laboratory Maniac, then you don't have to play it in this deck. It's just another super easy win condition that can easily be slotted in the, into the deck, especially since Gadwick works so well with it and the infinite mana that we're already generating. And... I've included a fourth win condition in the deck, and this one probably doesn't need to go in the deck. Three win conditions that all work basically the same is probably more than enough in a blue deck, in a mono blue deck especially, since you're going to have access to a lot of counter magic, and you're going to be able to force your combo through. But I put it in the deck more so just for fun. Uh, it's the Triska Decafile. So Triska Decafile is one and a blue for a creature, human wizard. It's a 1-3. You have no maximum hand size. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have exactly 13 cards in your hand, you win the game. Three and a blue, draw a card. So one of the things that I actually really like about Triska Decafile is that you can play Triska Decafile and then cast Gadwick for however much you need to in order to draw back up to 13. And you don't even need to have infinite mana for this combo. You just have to have enough mana. And then you can probably just hold up some counter spells and make your way through three opponents' turns and then just win on your upkeep. So I thought it was I thought it was just kind of fun. Um definitely a last resort combo, but I thought that this just slotted into the deck pretty easily and I thought it was kind of fun to include now the total for the specific way that i built this deck comes out to about 70 dollars um there are some cards in here that you could definitely take out to lower the price um the most expensive card in the entire deck is actually isochron scepter itself it's sitting at around uh 12 or 13 dollars right now so, um, I, I just kind of wanted to talk about some alternatives to um, cards in the deck. Since Isochron Scepter is the most expensive card and we want to keep the price down as much as we can, it's a, it was important for me to be inclusive and try to find other ways that you could still go infinite in the same way as Isochron Scepter, rather than saying, if you don't have this card, you can't play this deck. Because uh, depending on what people's budget is and depending on who you ask, 
$13 could be very expensive for a Magic card, or it could be the standard that you pay for Magic cards. But either way, um, I wanted to include some alternatives to the Scepter. Um, there's not really an alternative to Dramatic Reversal, but Dramatic of Reversal is also an inexpensive card that has niche use to it. It doesn't see modern play, it doesn't see legacy or vintage play. It's basically exclusively a commander card for this combo, and Dramatic Reversal is only, I think, 50 cents to a dollar. And I didn't include the Scepter alternatives in the deck, because you don't, you don't want to overload the deck with these cards that are only going to work with one specific card, because if you have more than one in your hand, then it's kind of a dead draw. Um, so I didn't include them in the deck, but um, on the deck list page, which you'll find in the description of the video, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can find them in the considering section of the deck list, along with uh, some of the other alternative cards that I uh, that I wanted to include in the considering pile. So the first, so the first cards that can provide an alternative to the scepter is the Echo Mage and the Melodic Charlatan. So I'm going to read Echo Mage first. Echo Mage is one blue-blue for a creature human wizard. It is a 2-3, and it has level up for one and a blue. So you pay one and a blue, and you put a level counter on it, and you level it up only as a sorcery. So when it's level 2 to 3, you can pay blue-blue and tap it to copy target instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. And if it's level 4 or more, then you can pay blue-blue, tap it, and copy target instant or sorcery spell twice, and you can choose new targets for the copy. And it goes from a 2-3 to a 2-4 in levels 2 to 3. And then a 2-5 when it's level 4 or more. So the only reason... So really what we want Echo Mage for is to copy Dramatic Reversal. So the way that this combo would work is... You need Echo Mage on the board. And you need it to be um, not summoning 6. So that you can tap its ability. So you need to have enough mana rocks on the board as well and then you cast dramatic reversal before dramatic reversal resolves while it's still on the stack you activate the echo mage to copy dramatic reversal when the copy resolves it's going to untap the echo mage and your mana rocks so then while the original copy is still on the stack you just copy it again and again and again and again and again so it essentially works like Isochron Scepter in order to make infinite, um, infinite mana. And then the Melitus Charlatan, uh, excuse me, I must have mispronounced, I must have wrote down the wrong name in my, in my notes, um, but the Melitus Charlatan is two and a blue for a creature human wizard, it's a 2-3, and it just says, uh, two and a blue, tap it. The controller of target instant or sorcery spell copies it. That player may choose new targets for the copy. So it's the same thing. You cast Dramatic Reversal. You copy it on the stack. And then you let the copy resolve. You untap everything. And then you do it again and again and again. So both of these creatures are super cheap. Um, they're less than a dollar. And they both fulfill the same thing that you need in the Isochron Scepter, which is just the ability to copy Dramatic Reversal a bunch of times in order to make infinite mana. 
the next two are actually pretty interesting cards. Um, the first, they they both, all four of these creatures kind of do the same thing, which is they just copy um, Dramatic Reversal, but they do it in different ways. Uh, so the next one is Kaho Minamo Historian, which is two blue-blue for a legendary creature, Human Wizard. It's a 2-2. When Kaho Minamo Historian comes into play, search your library for up to three instant cards and remove them from the game, then shuffle your library. And then for X and tap it, you may play a card with converted mana cost X removed from the game with Kaho without paying its mana cost. So Kaho is actually really interesting because it goes and finds dramatic reversal all by itself. And it automatically imprints it underneath it. So, you only need to just play Kaho, and Kaho just goes and gets the entire combo by itself. Now, uh, something that I find really interesting is because that's the entire purpose of the deck, is to just find that combo and make infinite mana and then combo off. You could have Kaho be the commander of the deck. Because Kaho is a legendary creature, and it just goes and finds the entire combo. However, I do think that there's a very specific problem with Kaho, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it after I say, after I talk about um the other creature that's similar to Kaho, which is the Elite Arcanist. It is three and a blue for creature human wizard. It's a one one. When Elite Arcanist enters the battlefield, you may exile an instant card from your hand. X tap it, copy the exiled card, you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. X is the converted mana cost of the exiled card. So, both Kaho and the Elite Arcanist are worded practically the exact same way as the Isochron Scepter, which is great. That's actually exactly, that's actually exactly what we want, except for the fact that they're not going to have haste. So, you can't activate them the same turn that they come into play in Exile Dramatic Reversal, which means that your opponents are going to see that you've Exiled Dramatic Reversal, count up your mana rocks, and say, oh, they're about to make infinite mana. I'll just kill the creature, and then the entire combo is gone. So that's actually one of the reasons why I didn't have Kaho just be the commander, is because you can see it coming from a mile away. And yes, blue has counter magic, but it's hard to play Kaho at a reasonable pace, at like a reasonable tempo, and still hold up enough counter magic for three spells in order to just make it around to your turn and combo off. So I think that um, Echo Mage and the Melita Charlatan are a little bit better because they're harder to kind of keep track of. Because you can just use both of them to just copy value instants and sorceries. You can just copy a brainstorm. You can copy an anticipate or a preordain and stuff like that. And then when it comes around and you finally do draw dramatic reversal, then you have the ability to just all oh, just play dramatic reversal and copy it. And then there's um, there's just so much less time that your opponents have to actually be able to interact with the combo. And that's what makes that's part of what makes um Isochron Scepter so good in this particular instance is because the turn that you play it if you have enough mana to activate it, you can just win right then and there 
and that's a lot harder for your opponents to interact with. So the further, so kind of the further up the chain you go with like Kaho and the Arcanist being on the bottom, and then the copy creatures, and then Isochron Scepter at the top, the further up the chain you go, uh, the less time your opponents have to actually interact uh, with the combo. But I do understand that different people have different budgets, which is why I included uh, these cards and I wanted to I wanted to talk about them. And then speaking with and then speaking about alternatives, I wanted to talk about a um, not an alternative to an expensive card, but an expensive card that could be used as an alternative for a, a worse card. And that card is Aetherflux Reservoir, which is about $15 or $16 right now. Uh, it is four mana for an artifact, and it just says whenever you cast a spell, you gain one life for each spell you've cast this turn. Pay 50 life. Aetherflux Reservoir deals 50 damage to target creature or player. So um, the replacement would be the Sphinx Bone Wand, because four mana is much better than seven mana. Uh, not only that, but the life gain from the Aetherflux Reservoir can actually be pretty significant in helping you stay alive. Because if you're a mono-blue combo deck, people are going to go after you. But Aetherflux Reservoir is getting a little up there in price, which is why I included it in the considering section. I didn't actually put it in the, uh, in the main deck. So... One of the other things that I really wanted to talk about in this deck were tutors. So the deck has practically zero tutors just because of the fact that um, it's a budget deck. Uh, the only tutor that is actually in the entire deck is uh, the Tribute Mage, which is two and a blue for a creature human wizard. It's a 2-2. And it says, when Tribute Mage enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an artifact card with Converter Mana cost 2, reveal that card, put it into your hand, and then shuffle. So Tribute Mage goes and gets exactly Isochron Scepter. It can go get some other mana rocks, but its main purpose is to just go and find Isochron Scepter. Um, any of the other blue tutors to go find dramatic reversal are actually a little are actually getting up there in price um but i did want to talk about them just because some of them aren't at nearly as expensive as mystical tutor is which is i think almost a 30 dollar card now um so the first one is actually from strixhaven it's a recent card it is solve the equation which is two and a blue for a sorcery search your library for an incident or sorcery card reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle so solve the equation can easily slot onto the deck. Um, it is three dollars for it. So I wasn't exactly sure how people were um, going to feel about it, just because Isochron Scepter takes up the bulk of the price of the deck, and I didn't want to. And that was basically I didn't want to include so many cards that were. Um, more that were more than like a couple of dollars like we've got like brain freeze is about five dollars um coastal breach which is a board wipe is i think almost seven dollars um we've got some cantrips in here that are a couple of dollars there's ponder there's preordains um so 
I didn't want to overload the deck with things that were like a couple of dollars here and there because it it starts to add up eventually. But I did still want to talk about them. So the equation is a, a pretty budget tutor. It's only a couple of dollars. So if your budget is willing, I think that solve the equation alongside tribute mage is going to round out the deck quite nicely, especially because it's um, super cheap. It's the cheapest tutor that's here. And then another card, another tutor is Fabricate, which is two and a blue for a sorcery. You search your library for an artifact, uh, reveal it, put it in your hand, and then shuffle. So it's just another three mana tutor that goes and gets Dramatic, or that goes and gets Isoconceptor. But I think Fabricate is like a couple of dollars right now, whereas Tribute Mage is barely a dollar. And there aren't almost any other artifacts that you're really going to want to go and find with a with a Fabricate. So it kind of makes more sense to play the more budget option because, you're o because you only need to get one thing. Tribute Mage only goes and gets one thing. And then the last budget tutor that i thought you could actually put in the deck was long-term plans uh long-term plans is two and a blue for an instant it says search your library for a card shuffle your library then put that card third from the top um long-term plans is about five dollars right now and it can go and get either dramatic reversal or isoconceptor um, so again, just like with solve the equation, if your budget is willing, this is definitely a great card to put in the deck. And then some more expensive tutors, and I'm going to include all of these in the considering section of the deck list on Moxfield. Um, you've got Merchant Scroll, which searches your library for a blue instant. Uh, you have Muddle the Mixture, which can transmute to get either dramatic reversal or isoconceptor and then of course you have mystical tutor which just goes and finds dramatic reversal and puts it right on top of your deck now the last part of the deck that i wanted to talk about are some utility cards um i did include some things in here that i thought were just ever so slightly spicy and I thought that they could provide some good utility. They're all super cheap. They're already in the deck list. Um, I just wanted to highlight them and talk about them. So the first one is Familiar's Ruse, which is uh, a very interesting counterspell. It is two blue for an instant. And it says, as an additional cost to cast Familiar's Ruse, return a creature you control to its owner's hand, counter target spell. So it's a counterspell that you need to return a creature to your hand in order to actually pay. But what I like about Familiar's Ruse is that if you've already cast Gadwick and you've kind of run out of gas a little bit, then you can cast Familiar's Ruse to put Gadwick back in your hand and then recast him for a bunch of mana to then draw a bunch of new cards, get a whole new hand, that way you can then continue your game plan and just put some extra put some extra foot on the gas. And then another utility card, which is actually a new card from Crimson Vow that I actually really, really like. Uh, it is Wash Away, which is a single blue for an instant. 
and it says counter target spell that wasn't cast from its owner's hand, but it has the cleave mechanic on it. So for cleave, which is one blue blue, so you can cast the spell for the cleave cost. So if you do, you remove the words in the square brackets. So wash away for a single blue says counter target spell that wasn't cast from its owner's hand. But if you cast it for the cleave cost, which is one blue blue, then it just says counter target spell. So at its very worst, it is a cancel with no upside. It is a three mana hard counter. But also for one mana, it can counter a commander or it can counter something cast out of a graveyard. It can cast things got off an underworld breach. And cast things got off a Yogmoss wheel. It can shut down a cast dissident mage deck. Um, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, the first sliver, all your sli- all the slivers that have cascade, um, you can counter any of those with wash away. I think that the format of commander has so many spells that are not being cast from hand that especially because all of the commanders aren't being cast from hand. So I definitely think the wash away is like a really really cool tech that you can use to police certain um strategies and cards and even just on the first turn if someone goes and like really starts off um good they cast like a one mana commander or something you're you're already getting in trouble then you just one mana wash away get it put back in the command zone um for instance, Selvala. Selvala gets off to the races really, really fast. So it's not hard to hold up a single blue mana on maybe turn two or three in order to counter the Selvala. And then they're just set back maybe two or even three turns just from that. So I really like Wash Away for the commander format. And then one of the other cool cards that I really wanted to include was Midnight Clock which is two and a blue for an artifact it taps for a blue which is really good we uh we want that we want the ability to make that blue when we're going off with like isochron scepter um but it also has the ability to um give us an entirely new hand so for two and a blue you can put an hour counter on the midnight clock and it says at the beginning of each upkeep put an hour counter on midnight clock when the 12th hour counter is put on Midnight Clock, shuffle your hand and graveyard into your library, then draw seven cards and exile Midnight Clock. So I really like Midnight Clock because it's a mana rock that also doubles as kind of a card draw card. Um, just because when things get so late or you just have so much mana, you can just put all that mana into putting more hour counters on the Midnight Clock and help accelerate you towards that new hand um, faster. And it's also good because if you get the Isochron Scepter destroyed or Dramatic Reversal gets discarded or something like that, and you have the Midnight Clock, you get to shuffle all that stuff back into your library. So I, I really like double duty cards like this. I like cards that overlap and they do more than just one thing so it's got that inevitability of eventually if i stick around long enough i'm going to give you a new hand but it also gives you some added utility 
because it says, in the meantime, though, I'm going to give you some additional mana. And I just think that, like, the ability to flip-flop between those and have them both is super, super strong. And speaking of super, super strong mana rocks, this last one, I think, is an incredibly underrated card. And I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant about this card. It is Victory Chimes. It is three mana for an artifact, and it says, tap, a player of your choice adds colorless. So it doesn't sound that great. It just sounds like a three mana rock, but it also says untap victory chimes during each other player's untap step. Being in mono blue, you want as much mana during both your turns and your opponent's turns as you can possibly get. And that is why victory chimes is incredibly good. Because if you have three mana, three three islands specifically, and victory chimes, all untapped, you just pass the turn. Because then you can cast a two mana spell on one opponent's turn, and then another two mana spell on another opponent's turn, and then another two mana spell on another opponent's turn. And you've essentially only used three mana because victory chimes untapped itself during all of that. So the ability to give you an additional mana during your opponent's turns, which is arguably when you pre- when you want it most in a mono blue deck, is such a fantastic rock. And I almost I almost wish that they would print more cards like this. So there are there are cards that there are other cards that like let you play at instant speed and then you can do whatever you want whenever you want. You can just play a land and pass. But like Leyland of Anticipation is, I think, around $10 right now. So that's another $10 that you're adding to the deck. And don't even get me started on uh, Vidalcan Orrery. That card is, I think, about $50. That's practically the entire price of this entire deck. So Victory Chimes is like a bulk rare from a Commander Precon set. So it is so good. It just has so much utility to it. I think it's great. I think it's great for any blue deck that you're playing if you're wanting to cast a bunch of spells on your opponent's turns. So before I kind of wrap up here, I did want to talk about the entire strategy of the deck. So basically, the entire strategy of the deck is just to combo out, right? That is the entire purpose. There's not There's not any underlying strategy there's no there it's not it's not like tiamat right last week i talked about tiamat it's it's a dragon tribal deck but it also has this combo built into it that you can go get with tiamat if you really want to in order to win the game but if you don't get that you can also just beat face with dragons and win that way gadwick really does not have another way to win the game this deck is an all-in combo deck um, now, if you don't like that idea of, like, an all-in combo deck that doesn't really do anything else but just sit down and draw cards until it combos off, then there are plenty of blue cards that you can add to this deck to, uh, really, to really change it, right? There are plenty of cards that, like, 
give you tokens whenever you cast instants and sorceries. There's plenty of other cards that um, rely on you casting a bunch of instants and sorceries during your turn. So there's plenty of modifications that you can do in order to make this deck more playable outside of just sitting down and comboing off. But um, I, I wanted to build specifically a combo deck that was budget. I wanted to build a deck that was, um, that its only goal was to combo off, but it was on a budget and it was a little bit cheaper. So that way, um, you have something that might be maybe a little bit more powerful, maybe a little bit more streamlined to be able to just sit down and go. All right. I want to know what you guys think of this episode. I want to know if you think that Gadwick was a good commander or a bad commander for the deck. I want to know if you're sick of seeing Isochron Scepter, Dramatic Reversal, and Commander, and you would rather see another combo. I want to know if you enjoyed the fact that I got around to a budget episode, and I want to know if you want to see more budget episodes um, from me. I definitely had a good time building this deck, and I definitely think that I would do it again, but I want to hear your input. I want to know what you liked. I want to know what you disliked. I want to know what you thought could have been better. I'll, I would. I want to know what you thought was absolutely terrible. All of those comments, and I do read all of my YouTube comments. Um, those comments really do help me to think about the content that I am putting out, and it helps me think about what people really want to see from me and from my videos and from my channel and from my deck techs. So if you want to help me make better content and if you want to see content like this again, please leave me a comment down below. I will get to it. I will read it. Um, you can also leave me a comment on any of my Moxfield decks. Um, I have a I have a Moxfield account. You can find all of the deck lists for past entering the infinites on there. And just let me know what you think. That way I can uh, take it into consideration for each future episode. And that is it for this week. I would also like to give a special shout out to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living card uh, animation that you saw at the beginning of the YouTube video. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. And tune in next time when we enter the infinite.